I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today on episode 80, I'm going to talk about how to regain your passion when you feel downcast, depressed, lethargic, and not yourself. I'll be sharing some of the techniques I've used that have helped me recharge my passion when I get knocked down. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. I hope you're doing great. This past week, I got to share an embarrassing moment I had this past week. I was out taking a run in a prayer prayer jog, and I was just spacing out. I was running down the street, and I don't know what happened. I'm not a, you know, a huge athlete, but I, I was running. And I tripped on an upturned piece of pavement and I fell running as my top speed. It's not very fast, but it's still, I just totally crumpled, landed on my shoulder, cut up my hands and all of this, like right down the middle of the street. And I just, oh man, it hurt so bad. My, I've got kind of a gimpy shoulder. And so the shock of that just stopping suddenly, it killed. And then on top of that, once I overcame that, I looked around and just wondered if anyone was watching. <laughs> I didn't see anybody, but it definitely, they could have been looking the other way. But in any case, that was my week. I hope you're doing better than that. But talking about getting knocked down, today I want to talk about 13 ways to get out of a spiritual funk. Listen, we always, we all get knocked down. It's, it's part of it. In fact, that's my first way to get out of a spiritual funk. Understand it's normal. Understand it's normal to face times when you don't feel your best, when you feel maybe not passionate or you feel discouraged or you feel something's not quite right. And, you know, recently I I, I've, I think I've mentioned on the, my past podcast that I've, I had COVID and I caught it right at, at Thanksgiving. And so my family, whole family got sick and even our staff got sick too for the first two weeks of December. Well, we recovered, and one of the symptoms that I had was I lost my sense of taste and smell. And that was a bummer. Well, my family did too, but they all got theirs back, and I still can't smell or taste anything. And, you know, I was reading about it on a trip recently, and my wife pointed out something that said that it can also be connected with feelings of depression and discouragement. And that's exactly what I was feeling. I mean, about three weeks ago, I just started feeling really down. And I would wake up in the morning and I'm like, I am not fired up about this day. Now, I typically view myself as a person who's pretty upbeat, pretty positive. And so to wake up and not be excited, not be happy, I was like, something is a matter. I mean, I just felt down. I felt heavy. And I, I was just kind of trudging through the day. 
And that's been probably the last three weeks where I really felt that pretty acutely. And I started thinking, I can't live this way because I do not feel fired up. And I, I hate that feeling. I just know I'm not my best. And so I want to share today what, what's helped me. And I, what's helped me, number one, here's the first point. Understand it's normal. Psalm chapter 42. I'm going to read this passage. We're going to be looking at a lot of passages here to, through this podcast. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where's where's your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one. With shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All, All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. If you're a disciple and you are leading a a, a Bible talk or a ministry or a small church or whatever whatever you're doing, it's really helpful to know that you're not alone if you felt down. And I definitely have experienced that during this whole COVID crisis. But here's, here's something encouraging. All the greats dealt with melancholy, depression, and doubt. Think about David running from Saul, living in caves. I mean, that's why we have the Psalms. So many of them were written when he was under pressure, feeling down. And think about the writer of this psalm. It's so powerful what he's sharing. Why, my soul, are you are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Haven't you felt that before? Man, I certainly have. And it's troubling. And yet that's exactly why that's written there, to encourage us to go, hey, that's normal. That's part of the Christian experience. That's part of the spiritual experience. Think about Elijah after the awesome victory on Mount Carmel, running from Jezebel, depressed, down, feeling like he's the only person left, wallowing in self-pity. Moses dealing with all the Israelites, all the discouragement he felt. How about Peter? After he betrayed Jesus, his master, the discouragement, the tears that he felt? And how about Paul, the apostle? Now, here's a guy who's like, Seems like he's bulletproof. I mean, he's as tough as nails. But look what he shares in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. 
We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. It's the Apostle Paul sharing about his life, and he says, We're hard pressed, we're perplexed, we're persecuted, we're struck down. And he's sharing there that our, the challenges we're facing, the emotional challenges, the feeling of perplexed, I don't know what to do. Am I, am I good enough? Is this, is it, am, I, am I okay? Am I going in the right direction? He said all of this highlights the fact through our weakness that God is working in our lives and God's power is there. And so if you've been feeling down, listen, you're in good company. All the greats have felt that way. You're not alone. And so don't let it, don't, what's worse is when you feel like maybe you're leading a small church somewhere and you feel like, man, I don't feel good and I'm, I got to preach and I feel terrible and, and I shouldn't feel this way. Well, I wish that were true, but honestly, you're, you're in good company and don't, don't allow yourself to think you're the only one. Number two, what else can you do if you're feeling down? Get in control of your desires, get in control of your desires In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 18, Paul writes this, For as I have often told you now, told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there the Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about people in the world, and he says their God is their stomach. Now, what's he talking about? Well, of course, he's talking about gluttony, I believe, but I think it's also any any inordinate desire where people set their minds and and the pursuit of pleasure and the uncontrolled desires control their lives. That's where I was at before I became a Christian. My, My... My God was just pleasing myself. That was it. I just worshipped pleasure. So think about eating, sexual desire, the desire for pleasure. All of these things are desires, and and they're legitimate desires. And yet sometimes what happens is if we give them too much rain, if we're not mortifying the body and putting them to death, especially during a time like this when there's not a lot of accountability, it's going to affect you emotionally. It's going to feel, fill you with shame and fill you with guilt, and that's going to drag you down emotionally. Now, I don't want to preach on this too much, but take a look and go, okay, what, what do I need to pull back on here? You know, one thing I noticed for myself is I just have been eating like crazy. And, and you know, whenever we go away on vacation, of course, I eat like eat a lot. But just eating just a bunch of junk food. Now, here's the funny thing. I can't even taste or smell the food, but I've just been eating bad. And I go, why am I doing this? And I'll, I'll sit there going, why are you eating? You can't even taste it. But I simply just pleasure, the pleasure of having it in my mouth and in my stomach. And I've just had to go, okay, whoa, pull back, slow down. That's not helping. It's making you feel super lethargic, super heavy, and it's not, not very sharp. So I've been working on it. So get in control of your desires. Maybe been struggling with your purity it's time to pull it back in or maybe you've just been binging on tv too much just reel it back in and that's going to help you with your emotional state number three wake up earlier 
Mark chapter 1, verse 34. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Here's a scripture you probably haven't read before. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Okay, what an awesome passage. Here's Jesus having a quiet time early in the morning. This is probably the first scripture your discipler shared with you when you became a Christian. But during the during you know times like this, it's easy to get off schedule. It's easy to start to slip. And I've talked about having a miracle morning and things like that. But you got to get back on it and get back into your best routine. Recently, I've been fasting and praying, and, and I've just been so tired. I mean, I'm just weak in the morning. And I just got, you know, basically got off track. And I've just had to, you know, one thing I wrote down uh, today in my, my journal is like, I got to get back up early. I've got to do that. And there's a lot of good things that are going on, but I realized I've been allowing myself to sleep in too long. And so that's not helping me because in the morning is when I really get charged up for the day. Now, there's been a reason for that because of fast, and I, I, I'm not going to be too hard on myself. But if you've been off in your schedule, listen, just, just make a correction. Start getting up early like Jesus did. That will help you. What else? Fast and pray. Fast and pray. Absolutely. This is, this is huge. Now, my theme for the church where we're at here in Tucson is trust. And so what goes along with trust is fasting and praying. I just feel like prayer, is the, prayer and fasting is the expression of trust in my mind, that you are looking to God to answer your prayers and that you realize human strength alone is not going to do it. Take a look in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. When Nehemiah's friends came back from Jerusalem and reported all the bad news and the state that the country had gone in, take a look at how he responds. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So Nehemiah, before he does all his great things rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, where did it start? Well, when he was overwhelmed with sadness and grief, and when he was facing just the hugeness, the size of the challenge, what did he do? He fasted and he prayed. I mean, imagine that. He's, he's like, what am I going to do? How, how can I? That, that country is so far, so far away from me. It's going to be so challenging. And sometimes it's funny. When my wife and I cross like a major bridge or a major structure, my Pam will say to me, I wonder what they what was the first thing they did when they're building this this structure? You know, where do you even start? It's such a massive undertaking. And I'm sure that Nehemiah felt that way. Like, where do you even start? Well, when it comes to God and spiritual challenges, it really needs to start with fasting and prayer. Fasting is like a spiritual reboot. Now I'm not going to go into a full detail on all that, you know, that's good about fasting. Jesus assumed we would fast, but here's how it helps me. It's been like a spiritual reboot for me. And what I did this past week is I just did a three-day fast, and I got really inspired by Sean Wooten, and I did an interview with him way back in the day. And man, it really helped me. It's really challenging. And I did a seven-day fast last May, but then recently I th thought, I really need help here. I feel super down. 
not, not up, and I really need God to help me. And so, like I shared, one of the areas I was feeling good was not, I wasn't in control of my eating. And so I just decided, I need, I need like a spiritual reboot. I need a hard restart. And so it, fasting really helps me to gain control of one area of my life. That's my eating. And that's awesome because when I just decide, okay, I'm going to fast and you don't eat, it feels good. It feels good when you go, okay, I can do this. I can say no. I can actually do this. Because I was starting to feel like I can't say no. You know, my son's birthday was last week and I told myself I'm not going to eat all the nice food that my wife's going to make for it. Well, guess what? When she pulled out the cake she made, when she pulled out the macaroni and cheese she made, I dove in. I couldn't stop myself. I'm sorry. And so it helps you to, to feel like, okay, I can, I can gain control. Number two, it opens up time for prayer. When you're fasting and praying, when you're praying or fasting, you just have the time because you're not using that time for meals. It reminds you that you're completely dependent on God and food. By the third day, I was so weak. I was just like, I feel like a shell. And I just realized, listen, you, you think you're strong, Rob, but your strength comes from God and from the food he provides. You can get knocked down in a moment. It also gives you confidence by doing something difficult, and that's really important. And if you're kind of struggling right now, I'd really encourage you, give it a shot, because it makes you realize human effort is really nothing. In Zechariah chapter 4, in verse 6, So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Hey, I bet you're a really great person. I bet you're an awesome man or woman. But you're not awesome enough to do the great works that God wants you to do. Instead, he says, it's not by might, not not by power, but by my spirit. You're going to need spiritual power. That's where prayer and fasting really makes a difference because you're going to the power source. And so I'd encourage you to take some time to pray and to fast. Along with that, here's my fifth way to get out of a spiritual funk. Take a spiritual retreat at home. In Acts chapter 10, verse 9, it says, About noon the following day, as they're on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. So here's Peter. It's not early in the morning. It's in the middle of the day. He goes up on the roof to pray. He falls into a trance where he sees God drop down all sorts of animals, and and God says, "Go, go ahead and kill and eat. And this led to the first conversion of the Gentiles, which was a huge milestone and breakthrough in the history of the church. So what preceded it? Well, Peter apparently is taking a spiritual retreat during the middle of the day. He's just taking some time aside to get close to God. And that opened him up to to a turning point in the whole history of the church. You know, sometimes when I hear Joel Pede share about going on a Sabbath or taking, you know, going going away for a week or stuff like that, I go, I don't have time to do that. I I mean, I'm so busy during the week, I don't even get the time. I just can't imagine doing it. And yet on the third day of this fast, I just kind of stumbled onto this. I was, when I woke up that morning, the third day, I was a wreck. I mean, I just, 
crawled out of bed, went over, drank some water and some lemon juice. And I was like, I, I literally can't stand it. I might throw up right now. I'm going to have to go back into bed. And so I went back to bed, put on my bathrobe, and I just lay there. Now, I didn't sleep, but for about two hours, I just stayed there and stared at the roof because I was like, I'm just going to pray while I lie here. And I did that till about noon. And then I started thinking, you know what? This is really good. <laughs> this is really helping me right here. I could, didn't, wasn't energized. I mean, I just didn't have a lot of strength, but I, my mind was going and I was getting a lot of good ideas. I was really getting some great time to pray. Well, about noon, then I got out of bed and then I took a walk. Okay. And now, normally in the mornings, that's when I do all my lesson prep. So all of that, and I do my podcasts, I do my reading, my writing, and my I mean, there's usually a ton of stuff I've got scheduled in the morning. Well, that just went by the wayside because I was a mess. Then I went out for a long walk for about an hour and a half and prayed. And that was awesome. Well, then I came back and I sat in my hammock. And I rarely ever sit in my hammock, but I sat in my hammock and made phone calls and called people and encouraged people. And that was awesome. But I was just chilling in my, my hammock. And then I had another appointment and then I went in and taught my midweek class. I was on a Wednesday. But it was what I realized is like it's like a home spiritual retreat. And you may not have the money to go on a vacation. You might be, maybe you don't have the time to go on a getaway or, you know, a break. Just do it at home. Do it, do it. Peter did. You don't have to go away to get connected with God. Take a day away and just dedicate it to prayer. That can help you. I mean, by the end of the day, I was feeling a lot better. Now, I was still weak physically, but spiritually, I'm like, I'm getting kind of fired up here. This is helping me. Okay, number six, call somebody and get reconnected. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 says this, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. What an awesome passage. But he says, but encourage one another daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We need daily encouragement. Now, I know you already know that. I know that, Rob. Okay. But when I talk to people on my staff and when I talk to people I know, you know what one of the biggest challenges is? Isolation. They're not calling, and they're not getting calls. And when that happens, it, it can harden your heart. You can feel isolated, and then you stay in that state where you feel down and discouraged, and you're not getting any encouragement, which can stimulate your heart and help you. We need it. One of the biggest dangers is isolation and a lack of friends. So I... Uh, in my staff meeting today, I just challenged everybody. I gave one practical challenge. I said, you call one person every day this week. Like, you know, if, if I'm discipling a brother, I said, you call me every day this next week. And all you do is say, hey, bro, how you doing? I'm thinking about you. Just want to encourage you. And I'm going to call them too. 
but we're going to encourage each other because that's going to help us. We need that kind of positivity because in this environment, I think the biggest danger is just negativity and discouragement and just getting into your head and you're feeling down and you just go down into a spiral. And so call somebody and get reconnected. What else can you do? Number seven, get out and go for a walk. Okay, get out of the house. This is important. Change things up. Get exercise. Try not to tumble on the pavement like I did. But walking does give you ideas, and it can really help. It helps me. Man, I get a lot of good ideas when I'm out walking. Incidentally, I'll just think of something. Oh, that's a good one. I'll try to write it down on my phone. But get out and go for a walk. Exercise, it's been proven. It, it does stimulate your, your mood for sure. And I think you already know that. Number eight, find your inspiration zones. Find your inspiration zones. This is going to sound really weird, and I, I, it's funny, but there are certain places in my house where I get a lot of inspiration from, from God, from the Spirit. Number one is my shower. When I go take a shower, I don't know why it is, but almost, I, I would say three out of the seven days that I go take a shower, some idea comes to me. Now, I'm not thinking when I go into the shower, I'm going to think of some spiritual ideas. I'm just sitting there, you know, shampooing and then and using the soap and all that stuff. But I don't know why it is, but man, I get a lot of good ideas in the shower. Second place I it's that's an inspiration zone for me is my sink in my bathroom when I'm shaving. And it's weird. I just sit there and I'll, I'll just get ideas that just pop to my mind. Like I mentioned before, walking is a, is an also is a inspiration zone for me. And when I pray and meditate, I've got a little prayer pad that I kneel down on and, and pray. That's that's a good spot for me. But I don't know why it is. I can't explain why certain places give me some of the best ideas. But it's true. It's I'm not lying to you. I definitely have some inspiration zones in my house, and I bet you do too. Ask yourself, where do you get the most inspiration? Where, do, where does the Spirit prompt you to come up with some good ideas? You need to go there. Go to those places and write down your ideas because those things are, are really going to help you. Number nine on how to get out of a spiritual funk, read an inspiring book. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. When Paul wrote this letter, it's, it's, a, it's very shadowed. You can tell that he is fighting, just feeling down. I mean, he talks about, you know, just how dis, you know people have deserted him. And he's pleading with Timothy to come to him. And he's doing his best to, to beef up Timothy. But in chapter 4, verse 13, he says, When you come, Timothy, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. So Paul was really at a low point when he wrote this letter and it's considered by most to be his last letter, his swan song. And so he calls for Timothy, who's his close friend, and then he asks for his, his parchments, which we would call books today. I mean, they didn't have books like we know them today, but he wanted his books. Why? Because a book can dramatically change your thinking and your life. They are super encouraging. And if you're gonna, if you're in the ministry, one of the things that can really hold you back is if you're not energized, if you're not pumped up spiritually, 
it, that's really going to hold you back. It's going to really affect not only you, but your family, and it's going to affect your ministry. And that's why reading for me is so important because one idea can totally energize you. You can feel it in your body. And so are you reading right now? Spend time every day reading. It's super important now more than ever. And read books that inspire you. Okay, I'm not talking about just trashy novels. I'm talking about books that really can lift your spirits. And that could be biographies. It can be personal development books. It can be spiritual books. But whatever it is for you, read those books. Number 10, break out of your mental cage and take advantage of current circumstances. Break out of your mental cage and take advantage of current circumstances. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 through 3, Paul says this to the Galatians, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Okay, so Paul here in this, in this verse is talking to the Galatians who were going back to a works-based religion. People had slipped in there, they were affecting, they were starting to teach you need to be circumcised. If you want to be saved, you got to go back and obey the law. And he's like, listen, you have to stand firm. You cannot allow yourself to go back to that way of thinking. That is not the gospel. But we can apply the same principle to to ourselves because we have to stand up and stand firm and not let ourselves remain down or trapped in negative, unfruitful thinking. You you might be struggling for days or weeks just feeling down. Now, that's one thing, but what's really bad is when you just allow yourself to stay there without standing firm and not letting yourself remain in that situation. Now, what I'm saying is that you can't stop yourself from having down days. It's going to happen. That was point number one. It's normal. It's, part of, it's a part of the Christian experience. But you are in charge of getting yourself out of the situation. You know, when I started feeling down about three weeks ago, I'm like, I got to do something about this because it is not helping my wife. It's not helping my kids. It's definitely not going to help my church. I'm going to have to throw off this kind of mental mindset that I've got. I don't know what it is. It might be to, you know, having to do with COVID, but in any case, I can't live this way. So what we need to do is this current environment is opening up many new doors. We got to focus on that. Okay. Sometimes we get discouraged. We go, oh man, I just can't wait to go back to the way it was before. But don't focus on that. What are some new what new doors that are opening up for us. Well, I think about multi-site. It's something I thought about before COVID hit, and I thought I'd really like to have a multi-site church where we have different places we meet all over the city where I'm at. Well, this has definitely opened up the door with that, with all the technology and stuff. I go, that's, that's going to happen. I think about the rise of small mini churches. Now you can, you can plant churches all over the place, which is so awesome to me because I go... Back in the day before COVID, I mean, when I planted a church self-supporting, you know, it's like you're all by yourself. But now a person can go to a a small city, plant a church there. 
he maybe he's not even a good preacher, but he just has great sermons streamed in. He builds a great family. We could have many churches all over the country, all over the world. Wouldn't that be awesome in your country? You got these micro churches growing like crazy. What's the third uh, thing that this current environment is opening the doors to? Communication around the world. Listen, I'm talking to you. I'm currently in Tucson, Arizona, and I am communicating with you where you're at. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Doors open through this. Number four, fresh thinking and approaches. We're going to have some amazing new ideas and approaches to do ministry from this. And then finally, just greater flexibility. I mean, you can, you can do things differently now, and it gives you more flexibility to do it. So those are just some of the things I've thought about, about like, I can't get trapped in my old way of thinking. I've got to break out of that mental cage and not allow myself either to get discouraged or to feel like, oh, I just want to go back to the old way of thinking. Number 11, avoid comparisons, whether real or imagined. Avoid comparisons, whether real or imagined. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. Paul says, listen, we do not dare to compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. He says, you should not make comparisons to other people. And when we compare ourselves to other people, we really hurt ourselves. I really saw this, you know, leading up, uh, starting a podcast this past year. It's awesome. I mean, I learned from so many people around the world, and there's so many inspiring disciples. I'm just like, whoa, this is awesome. On the flip side, when I compare myself to them, I go, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm just, am I doing anything right? I mean, I want to hear, hear their good news. I go, oh my gosh, I should be doing that. I should be doing this. And, and then I just realized, listen, that's not helping me. When I compare myself to those other people, I'm just hurting myself. One, because we don't know the whole story. When people share good news about their ministry, like, oh, yeah, man, you know, it's like, hey, bro, how you doing? And, and they say, oh, I'm doing so great. I just had 10 baptisms last week. And you're like, oh, man, I wish I had 10 baptisms. But we don't know the whole story. You know, you don't, you just hear the good news, but that bro might be in sin. He might be going through a divorce. He might be facing a lot of troubles in the ministry. I mean, you just don't know the whole story. So don't focus just on the good news. Now, hopefully he's not. And I, I don't want anyone to go through a divorce. But here's the thing. If you're, if you're comparing yourself to other people, you're, you're going to have a tough time feeling happy because no one is perfect and we're all trying to do the best we can. So just focus on doing the best you can. Learn from other people, but don't compare yourself to other people. And I've learned from a ton of people through this podcast, and I love to learn. It's awesome. But I'm really working on don't compare myself. I've got a unique situation. I've got unique challenges. But they've got their own challenges that they're probably not telling me about. So I'm going to be grateful for what I've got, try to learn from them, and apply the things that will help me in my situation. 
Number 12, don't judge yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He'll bring to light what is hidden in the darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. This is powerful when you think that Paul did not judge himself, and yet he was a Pharisee. I mean, this guy is coming from the strictest form of law obedience. But he could say, I don't even judge myself. And you, you might be the type that's, that's super self-critical. And you're, you've got a voice inside that says, oh, you're a loser. You're not cutting it. You're not doing it as well as other people. Why are you even in this job? Why are you even thinking about this? You should quit. And you're getting all these self-judging thoughts. But that does nothing but hurt you. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be self-aware. That's a difference. I mean, you got to be aware of your own weaknesses. We, we're all sinners here. and we, we should be aware, like, I've, okay, I'm struggling here in this area. But that's a big difference. Just note things. Note things. Don't judge things. Like, for instance, if you're struggling in, in your purity or in some particular area, just go, okay, I, I see here I'm, I'm really being tempted more in this area. I'm going to have to work on that. I'm going to work on that. That's a lot different than saying you're just a pervert and you're just never going to change or something like that. That's that's a big difference. One is constructive. One is not constructive, and it's going to lead you down into a shame pit you're going to have a hard time climbing out of. So be like Paul. Don't judge yourself. Jesus is going to judge you. He sees the good and the bad, and he loves you anyway. So don't worry about that. That's really important. And I want to talk to you young ministers out there because this can be really tough. And I see people in the ministry and people trying to do their best for God. And it's a challenge during COVID. And you feel like, oh, I should do this. I should have this many baptisms. I should be doing this. These other people are cranking. I'm not. And if you don't take charge of this, you're going to judge yourself right out of the ministry. Because right now, you should judge nothing before the appointed time. Okay, this is a very crazy time in the kingdom of God. You should be doing your best. You should be working to save souls. But one thing you should not be doing is judging yourself. Instead, you should be just trying to work hard to learn and to grow. Because that judging will take you out of the ministry before you even have a chance to flourish. So be careful. Hold back on the judgment. Thirteenth and final way to get out of a spiritual funk. Keep a list of encouraging texts or emails and read it regularly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6-7 through seven. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Okay, what's the situation? Paul is, is 
He's in distress. He's being persecuted. He's, he's really knocked down. But he gets a report coming from Timothy from the Thessalonian disciples. And Timothy told him, hey, Paul, those people love you. They want to see you again. They think you're awesome. They're so grateful that you planted that church. And so Paul said, listen, in the midst of the challenges we're facing, we were encouraged because you're, you're still faithful and you still love us. Thank you. He got fired up when he heard he was helping people and people appreciated him. Man, I feel the same way. Listen, you know what helps me is when I get encouraged. And I hope you feel the same way. But sometimes Satan, Satan goes to work on us where we, we're dealing with tough people, tough situations. Maybe people are being critical. And you start to overfixate on those people and forget the people that think we're pretty cool. I started a, a professional Bible talk, online Bible talk, which I'm looking forward to sharing about more in a future episode because I think it's really cool. But I started it in January, and I did about mm, three half-hour Bible talks, or maybe four. And then on a Saturday, this past Saturday, I was just feeling down. I was like, is this making any difference? Because I had some guests out, I had some visitors out, and I was really trying to reach business professionals. And there's this one person in particular that I invited who's a a friend and who's come to church in the past, but he's a high-level executive. I mean, this guy's a powerhouse. And I thought, I wonder if this is even making a difference, you know, because it's online and you can't, it's only half an hour. And I'm just like, oh man. And I, I got so down, I had to get down on my little prayer pad and just pray. I said, God, I need some encouragement right now. I'm not feeling very good. No joke. When I got up for my prayer time, I got this text from this, this guy, this, this visitor. And he said, hi, Rob. Just letting you know how awesome our Thursday Bible Talks are. I look forward to it every week. It is definitely bearing fruit. I think about what you teach us all week. I love you. <laughs> Man, when I, the guy told me he loved me, I, just, I was just like, whoa. I mean, I needed that. I just got, God, thank you. And he even said, it is definitely bearing fruit. I don't know where that came from. But I got that, and basically I cut and pasted that, and I put that in the, I've got a Word document where I've collected all the encouraging things people have said about me and things that you've texted me or emailed me. Guess what? I take every one, I put it in my master list of encouragement because when I feel down, I read those. I I just recently got a uh, really cool, encouraging text from, that this happened before this podcast Robert Carrillo and he said Rob I want to tell you how much I appreciate your podcast and what you're doing to inspire all of us thank you and I just texted him back said that means so much coming from you I respect you and your opinion this just made my day maybe my week thank you but that kind of stuff you need and I need it so bad because we need a ton of encouragement right now and so I just I keep a list of all the encouragement I've received, and whenever I get a new email or text, I just put it on my encouragement sheet. I hope you'll do the same thing because you are doing a good work. What you're doing matters. And I want to encourage you today 
If you're feeling down, I'm praying for you, and you can stand firm and get out of it, but you need to go after it. So I hope these 13 things have helped you to get out of a spiritual funk. I'll be praying for you. Please pray for me. I want to thank you for listening to the Rob Skinner podcast. If you're enjoying this, let me ask you a favor. Please hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about it. Please spread the word. Just tell people. I want to encourage people around the world. This is an amazing, amazing kingdom that we're a part of, and I want to make a difference in it. My goal is to inspire you to make this life count, to live a no regrets life, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.